Hello, Valley family. Welcome to week number five in what we're calling our summer series, really, uh, and that is relationship goals. You can tell, big smile on my face. My wife, Susie, is back, and uh, that means I'm sleeping at night. I'm actually eating food, and uh, all thing, everything is right in my world once again. I was flying solo last weekend, and it was, well, I don't want to talk about it, but uh, the, the message, even, just, just, well, you know, appreciate your feedback and your encouragement. That's what I do. And uh, we really want to, uh, big shout out to our Poughkeepsie Valley family that's, that's joining us. We love you guys. One church, uh, multiple locations, because also our online campus, hundreds of people every single week joining us. And uh, so we just welcome you as well. And also I want to give just a big shout out uh, to our Valley Kids Dream Team members, uh, men and women, week in, week out, that minister to our kids from cradle literally to fifth grade every single week so that they come to know Jesus Christ as an early age and walk with Him all of their life. And so we love you guys so much, really appreciate all that you do week after week after week after week for our kids, for our Valley Kids, raising and investing in the next generation and you know the reality is, I think the reason why so many of those dream teamers do that is because they have an understanding of what we're going to talk about today uh, in this message. And, and this message really comes with a warning, and that is this message takes some time to work out, takes some time to apply. Uh, of the four goals that we've set for, for marriage, relationship goals in this, inside this series, kind of a micro-series inside the larger one, uh, this might be the most difficult one. I, I think it's a challenge for us even on, on a regular basis. We just want to be real open about that, that, that uh, you know, we have not arrived or perfected this at any level. Uh, really, we just want to share with you what we're working on, what we continue to work on. And, and so, uh, you know, in terms of relationship goals, don't, don't let your relationship goals go, you know, be as low as Instagram. I think God has so much better, so much higher, and that's what we're learning in this series. So let, let's go back to the four goals that we have kind of in the micro part of this message series. Uh, and, and here they are, week number uh, one, as we focused in on marriage, rather, uh, in the series, this is week number three, we talked about a Christ-centered relationship, that we need to be Christ-centered. That's the first goal. Second goal is covenant-keeping. That was last week, and, and I know I saw a lot of eyes, boom, you know, popping out. Uh, never heard anything about how God speaks covenant, the importance of that. Today, we're going to talk about being mission-driven, how absolutely critical that is, and that's really the reason why Susie and I are together. Uh, we'll share a little bit about that in just a minute. And, and then next week, we'll conclude the marriage portion focus of this series. We're going to talk about devil kicking. So Christ-centered, covenant-keeping, mission-driven, devil kicking. I think the foundation of a godly marriage really isn't happiness, but it's unity. And I think that's just kind of understanding that we have to kind of come to, that God isn't about us necessarily being happy. He wants us to be unified. And I think being unified in mission is so important. Um, you know, Greg and I, before we actually started dating, we shared a couple, a little bit, a couple weeks ago about that. But before we started dating, we were both in relationships, and we realized, well, in those relationships, what we wanted out of life, or could I say our mission in life of what we wanted weren't the same. I was a dating young gentleman. He was, he grew up as a pastor's kid. He came to the ministry school we were at, and but he had no interest in being in ministry at all. He so was, they were both Christians. They were both Christians, yep. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But what he wanted in life is he wanted to be a businessman. He was all about making millions. And I'm like, 
eh, that's not really my passion in life. I want to be full-time working in God's house. I want to be either on the mission field or in the church and working full-time. And so we would break up because our goals in life were different, and then that was tough, so we'd get back together, and I would just have this unbelievable unrest, like this is not right. We'd break up, and a wave of peace would come. And I'm thinking, what? And I'd look back in my life, and that was really a season where God really directed me with peace and unrest and just finding the right life partner. I know you had a very similar situation as well. Yeah, it was really, you know, it was mission that brought you and I together. Uh, my freshman year in college, I was dating a young lady, and uh, both Susie's relationship with the, the fella and, and, and mine, uh, they were serious. We were talking about the future together uh, and all that. And, um, and she actually said to me, you know, I can see myself spending the rest of my life with you in terms of marriage and all that if you'll do anything other than be a pastor. And uh, her, her mother, she was a Christian, real devoted follower of Jesus, and uh, her mom's pretty well-known national women speaker and had seen a lot of horror stories when it yeah. came to ministry and pastors and their families and their wives and had really uh, discouraged her in the relationship as much as she really loved me, her mom. Uh, and, uh, and, and so she, you know, that was a, a real sticking point. Right. Anything but a pastor. And, and at that time, I felt God called me to be a pastor. I knew that real clearly. I thought it was to be youth ministry. Uh, pretty interesting, Susie thought it was to be a missionary to Germany. And so our specific focus was a little off, but we both knew that God had called us to ministry. And, uh, you know, so my heart got all busted up by that gal. Uh, Susie's heart got all busted up by that guy. Uh, but then God brought us together because we had this idea of mission driven we knew how important that was and i am so glad uh fellow susie dated he's gone on he's a multi-millionaire he he's a multi-millionaire yeah. i'm so glad that wasn't one of that susie's goals my, that was not my goal that was not my goal <laughs> you lose if that's the case uh and and the young lady i was dating she actually not because of who she ended up marrying but on her own she's she's incredibly wealthy millionaire now as well uh, and God bless both of them uh, and we learned a lot in those relationships that helped our relationship I think but this is a big one right here mission driven and so uh, we just want to talk about that and, and again go back to the Bible so go ahead and open up your Valley app follow along with us uh, as we're going to dive in right now uh, into some scripture about where this comes from being mission driven yeah, Genesis 1 27 through 28 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Do your own thing, just follow your heart. He didn't what, say that. Yes, he did. Do whatever it makes That's you happy. Don't you see it? There? No, it doesn't, no, say, it doesn't that say that. There. At all. No. It's a specific mission, and that mission was be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And the very first thing that God says to the first couple is, here's your mission if you choose to accept it. And that is to create, 
to multiply, to subdue, and to conquer the earth. You know, and so why should, pe- why should couples get married? You know, Greg spoke last week about covenant and how right. important part that is. But we get married because we can serve God better together than we could ever apart. You know, and God says, here's your mission. And guess what? You're going to need each other to do this mission. You're a team. You're partners. You're a dynamic duo. This is your mission, and you need to be able to be able to do that together. It's, it's actually kind of cool. And you look at it, none of these things you can do by yourself. You can't be fruitful alone. You can't increase in number solo. Filling the earth, eh, that's not going to happen either. Subduing it, one person, on earth, no way that's going to happen. And, and so it was all about relationship. Okay, and Genesis goes on and says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. See, God wants to unite. That is so part of his design for us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what, what God seeks to unite, the devil schemes to divide. What God seeks to unite, the devil, he schemes to divide. And, and so uh, it started with Adam and Eve. Think about it in the garden. They were happy. They were fulfilled. They were completely content. They were blessed. They were naked, the Bible says, and they were completely unashamed. And, and then Satan comes, the enemy and a serpent, and his whole goal is to disrupt their relationship with God. It, it's to distract them from their mission that God gave them, and it's to destroy the unity that God had given to them, that they were one. So what God seeks to unite, the devil schemes to divide. And you know what? He's still doing that today. That's still his focus for every single marriage, that he wants to disrupt your relationship with God. He wants to distract you and get you off mission. Hopefully that'll even be clearer today by the time we're done. And then he wants to destroy the unity that you have together as a husband and wife. And we see that in our own marriage. It's not, this struggle is real for every couple. Absolutely. You know, and I think you and I, we experience this as well. So sure. up here like, we got it all together. We don't. We, this is an area we struggle with, just keeping the unity. You have to fight for unity, for sure. You have to fight for it, and you have to keep your guard up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love what Amos says. Amos asks a great question, one of the prophets in the Bible. He says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction do we have agreement? Are we moving in the same direction? You know, if Greg and I decide we want to go for a walk, and I said, great, well, I'm going to go this direction, and Greg says, well, I'm going to go this direction, how is that even going to work? Unity is going in the same direction. We're not walking together if we're going in opposite right. directions Absolutely. there. It's kind of funny. Uh, we have two French bulldogs, and uh, when, when, when they are taken for a walk, and Susie walks some more than me, but it's one leash, and then it goes branches off into two at the bottom. And it's really funny watching them trying to... And, and they have to go in the same direction, and, and one's a little more assertive than the other, and uh, that's my sweet girl, uh, Lucy. But anyway, uh, Tybee follows along, but, but they have to go in the same direction because they're leashed together in unity. In unity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea, really, in this question, can two walk together unless uh, without agreeing in the same direction? You know, when you think about uh, it, it's having a common mission, it's about having common vision. You know, what is the opposite of vision is division, division. And that means two different visions. And it's almost like, again, Tybee and Lucy, if they're fighting, I want to go this way, I want to go this way, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to go forward at all because they're, they're pulling in opposite directions from one another. And that's really what division is. Mission, you might think of it, another word for that is vision, a common vision. So we have a common vision, uh, Susie and I do, for our marriage 
for our, our kids, for our family, uh, and, and for the future as well that we've worked out. Uh, and, and it's really, really important because Proverbs 29, verse 18 puts it this way, where there is no vision, the people perish, they die. They die for lack of vision or division. And, and even in churches, and we're real excited about what's coming up in the near future, in the fall, uh, we, we, we're rolling out some great new perspective and ideas and, and just uh, approaches to ministry that we're real excited about because we've got incredible vision and incredible unity in the mission of our church. And we want to just keep it really, really clear, really simple, really easy. So it's nothing really new in that sense, but it's even better focus and more simplicity in how to communicate it. Because where there's no vision, the people perish. And that vision is always what you have to be looking at as a couple that's going to get us ultimately to where we want to go. So one of the greatest tragedies really in marriage is when two people are together, but they're not united. That's just tragic. When two people are together, they're roommates, they share the same house, but they're really not united in purpose. They're really not united in heart. And, and uh, we want to share now about our favorite couple in all the Bible. And uh, I don't know, it's not Adam and Eve, uh, it's not Jacob and Rachel, it's not Ruth and Boaz, it's not Mary and Joseph or Solomon, you know, and he, his thousand wives. Boy, what a mess that was, he'd tell you I think that. Yeah, good, just one. Yeah, yeah, just one. I mean, how could you even do that? That's nuts. Uh, one, I've got my handful. But my favorite, uh, our favorite couple in all the Bible, they're mentioned six times in the Bible, and one of the things I love about it is they're never mentioned individually. It's always together as a couple. You never just hear the husband mentioned and the wife is omitted, or the wife is mentioned and the husband's omitted, and, and that is Priscilla and Aquila in the New Testament. And they are a powerful, dynamic duo of really, we're going to find apostolic leaders is what they are. Uh, and it's really incredible. Uh, and, and as you kind of drill down in these six verses where, uh, and we're not going to look at all six, but uh, three of them, three of those passages, uh, where Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned uh, every single time, you, can, you get a strong sense. They were definitely Christ-centered, they were definitely mission-driven. I think they probably also were covenant-keeping, and uh, they were devil-kicking, as yeah, we're going to look at. That's interesting. You've shared before at different conferences, pastors' conferences, and just and challenging because so many times it's either the husband is just there or the wife is there or whatever, but then right. you don't see a lot of couples together in ministry or doing, you know, even going to college. You know, we, we always travel together, mm -hmm. you know, but that's unusual in the circles that we run. Most in. conferences, yeah. it's just you just see the husbands and the wives are at home, and, and I get it if they're raising kids, but yeah, most of them, I'm the younger one. <laughs> in the room and uh you know we've actually i've had pastors and friends ask us like why you and susie are together all the time and i was like yeah that's why we got married that's actually right. not to be apart from each other to be on mission together. it was be on mission yeah. together and and you're right i have shared at conferences about priscilla and aquila and what's really interesting it's gonna get you uh, priscilla the wife is always mentioned first which again in greek the, the, the value is put on the one mention first. So they were definitely, it wasn't like she's in the shadow. They were definitely a team, a dynamic team, 
Priscilla and Aquila together. And so what made them strong? Let's, let's figure it out. Three things that really made them strong about being on mission together. The first one is they were a mission-driven couple and that was hospitable. A mission-driven couple is hospitable, and we see this with Aquila and Priscilla. Romans 16, 3 through 5 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their home. I realize being hospitable here they are, the church is actually meeting in their home, meeting from house to house, and their home is the one the church was meeting in. And he realized, you know, being hospitable is a spiritual gift. Absolutely. And it really ministers to so many people. We can't discount that, that's not as good as the rest. It's, it's a big deal, being hospitable. And, and you don't have to have a beautiful home. Uh, and, and likely they didn't. Uh, but, but there's something about the warmth and hospitality. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. But let me just ask you, like, when's the last time you invited someone new into your home? opened your home up to someone else. It's a little different, hey, let's go to Starbucks and let someone else serve us. Mm -hmm. Then when you invite someone into your home, and we try to do that as often as we possibly can, and, and you serve them. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's come over. She's not a believer, but every time she comes into our home, she's like, yeah. this place is just so peaceful. It's very peaceful. I can't put my finger on it. You know, so we've had some really good conversations. She's actually a Buddhist, yeah, yeah Buddhist. but she talks about I, I just so much peace in our home every time uh, that, she, that she comes over. And think about this, what Paul is saying here about Priscilla and Aquila. Again, Priscilla's always mentioned first. Aquila's the dude. I, I don't hear any, any parents naming their sons Aquila. Aquila not, not so much anymore. Great guy. Right. Might want to think about it. Starts with an A right at the beginning of the alphabet. Uh, but, but it says, this is Paul, who by the Holy Spirit wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. He says he sees them on the peer level. This husband and wife team. And by the way, I think that Priscilla, this is the picture, really, of New Testament ministry. A husband and wife team together. A husband and wife team side by side. That's the picture. That's the picture. And we'll get into that next week a little bit more with devil kicking because this is a powerful component that, that re reality, a lot of pastors can't do this because it's not the reality of their life. But Priscilla and Aquila, he says, co-workers, uh, they risked their lives. They, they were, they were uh, risk takers for Jesus Christ. They risked their lives, not only for, the, and watch this, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. The entire New Testament church, all the churches, the Christian churches knew who Priscilla and Aquila were, and they were like, thank God for that dynamic duo. And, and I could go through the history of the church, of how it became male-dominated, and that's not the picture in the New Testament at all. That, that's not it at all. And, and uh, the Bible says this husband-wife husband, team, Priscilla and Aquila, every church in the New Testament, all the churches of the Gentiles were like, thank God for that husband-wife team. Really, really powerful. That's why that's, it's our favorite couple, really. The second thing about a mission-driven couple that we see in Priscilla and Aquila is a mission-driven couple is influential. Now watch this, just as, as if that first passage wasn't enough. Watch this one. This will just kind of shake you up if, if you think, uh, you know, males are to dominate women in churches and things like that. Check this out. 
Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 26. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. Now, the Bible makes it real clear in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Apollos was seen as an apostolic leader in the day. Uh, Paul, actually, the church of Corinth, he was like, some of you are dividing, saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. It was see, he was seen on the exact same level as Paul, the apostle. Meanwhile, this is before that, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and, and thorough knowledge of Scripture, so he knows the Word. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. He was doctrinally sound, though he knew only the baptism of John. He only knew about repentance. He didn't know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening here. And it goes on and it says, he began to speak boldly in the synagogues of Ephesus, one of the churches there Paul was responsible for. Watch this now. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home. Again, hospitality. They invited him into their home, and they explained to him the way of God more adequately. They, wife and husband, teaching him doctrine. This is the Bible. Teaching him doctrine, clearly explaining. And what was it more adequately? You can read the whole context. It was all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit. Husband-wife team pulling aside this apostolic leader and like, okay, you're spot on with everything you're teaching, but there's something you're missing that you've never heard before. Let us fill you in on that. So they were incredibly influential even to the point of really kind of correcting and instructing as a husband-wife team this apostolic leader named Apollos. This is powerful, powerful because they're on mission. They're mission-driven together. How about number three? Number three, a mission-driven couple is faithful, is faithful. 2 Timothy 4, 19 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisphorus. You know, I think a little context here, you know, Paul is, in 2 Timothy when he's writing this, Paul is awaiting trial. He's awaiting execution in a Roman jail. That's right. And almost everybody has deserted him. And others have renounced their faith, and I'm doing this, you know, the Christian thing anymore. But here is Priscilla and Aquila. They are still on mission. They are still faithful, and they are still serving God. And there's such an encouragement to Paul because of that. You know, maybe you're here today and you're saying, okay, so I'm not married. How does this really apply to me? You know, and I think we kind of go back to our similar phrase that we've said before. If you want a God-glorifying, mission-driven marriage in the future, then you need to live a God-glorifying, mission-driven life today. That's right. That you live life on mission. I think that's so important. It doesn't just happen, you know, when you get married one day and you walk down the aisle uh, that all of a sudden you're going to be mission-driven. It takes, can I put it this way, just as Susie and I, we went through breakup in different relationships before we were married, before we even got together because we were mission-driven individuals. And I think as singles, God laid things on our hearts that we were doing, different outreaches, just different things of being his hands and feet. And whatever season that we find ourselves in, I think that's what God, you know, expects of us of his children. Exactly. And sometimes I hear, you know, uh, uh, young ladies, uh, I just, just want to be honest and, and, and saying, you know, why do I always uh, end up with these deadbeat guys that only want one thing? I think you're about to put your daddy hat on. Uh, yeah, let me just put my fatherly hat on because I've raised two girls. Three. They're uh, three girls, actually. They're all in their 20s now. 
Um, and, and let me just give you some sound advice. I want to talk to you like a dad, okay? Why, why, do, why do I always attract the wrong guys? The Bible speaks to that. And, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. Look at what the Bible says. He who finds a wife, a wife, a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It doesn't say he who finds a girlfriend, he who finds a, a one-night stand, he who finds a fiancé even, he who finds a wife. You have to start acting like what you want to attract. If you want to attract a man of God, husbandly man who's not a boy you know he may be 20 something or 30 something but he's really peter pan doesn't want to grow up you, you've got to start acting like a wife now you, you have to start could i put it this way you got to start dressing like a wife now you know you keep posting pictures on instagram letting your junk hang out all over the place guess what you're going to attract somebody but you're going to attract boys and they don't want to marry you they want to play with you they want to play with you. And I'm just talking to you the way that I talk to my own girls. If you want to attract, if, if, if we had Instagram back in the 80s and Susie posted some of these provocative pictures, I'm telling you right now, I would never have asked her out. So I think for me, I live with the understanding that this, that my body, the things that I especially kept covered, they were for my hus future husband someday, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like, it's be acting like a wife before you are a wife. You, you know? get what you're, what you're fishing for. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, whatever the, the Laura is on the hook, you, you, you know, we go fishing. I go fishing with my brother. We go for speckled trout. We use live shrimp because we know if speckled trout's what we want, then we need to use live shrimp. That's what they eat. And, and so it, it's really important. He who finds a wife, and, and let me talk to the guys for a minute. Let me talk to the guys for a minute. If, if you want a woman to spend your life with, that's going to love Jesus Christ, be an incredible, not only wife to you, but a mother to your children, start acting like a husband. Be responsible. Get out of debt. Handle your finances in a way that, that you, can, you could marry a woman and provide for her. Be a See, man of your word. Be a man of your word, exactly. He who finds a wife, or flip it, he who finds a husband finds a good thing. It doesn't say girlfriend just hanging out. Well, we're just, we're just talking. We're just chatting and chilling. No, that's, that's, that's not going to be a good thing, and it's, you're not going to obtain favor from the Lord uh, over that. So, so, ladies, you just have to ask yourself, are you marriage material? Husbands, are you? Guys. Guys, are you husband material? Right now as a single, because that's what you're going to attract or that's what you're actually going to repel. Uh, so serve Jesus like crazy today as a single. It, you know, uh, when I was single, man, I, my free time, I was involved with youth ministry for four years in college. And in the summers, I came back, did an internship here. Susie did so many student ministries. Over the top, it was yeah. ridiculous. Juvie jail, yeah. evangelism Friday night. Yeah, yeah just, just all over all the place. Uh, do that now because here's yeah. the thing. The idea is he who finds a wife. The idea here is not that he's on the prowl hungry like a wolf. It means as he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, God brings the wife across his path. 
He who finds a why. This is a powerful verse right here. In fact, I shared it with our girls before, and uh, one of our girls, has a, one of her best friends got engaged, and uh, was, well, there were some bumps in the road, and, and she said, let me tell you what my daddy says. My daddy says Proverbs 18.22 is, is what you need to filter things. He who finds a husband finds a good thing. Is he acting like a husband now, or is he a boy who's 22? Mm-hmm. He just still wants to be a boy. And she ended up breaking off the engagement. And then she called, Sophie called me back and she's like, Daddy, guess what? And I was like, you said what? You know, I was like, why? Huh? And she's, she said, my friend is the happiest she's been in a couple years. So I gave her truth. Gave her truth, because this is truth. God's word is, is, is really true. And so really, really important. What's your mission? What's your mission? As a single, what's, what's your mission in life? As a married couple, are you mission-driven? What's your mission in life? Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you'd say, my, well, our mission is to raise some real godly kids. Well, well, you know what that means is that you should see, if your mission is to raise godly kids, you should be able to see that in three areas, your time, your talent, and your treasure. What is the priority? Is it sporting events for my kids, or is it Jesus? Is it the church? I know so many parents, they'd never miss a game, but they'll miss church at the drop of a hat if anything else comes up. I, I know, I, I'm, I'm stepping on toes now, but I'm, I'm trying to help. We're trying to help, really. Uh, you know, um, and, and so, you know, if twice a month you make it to church and say, our mission is to raise godly kids, I think maybe you need to kind of look at your time, your talent, and your treasure. We're, most, most kids don't have the same convictions parents have, any generation. So as devoted as you may be, mom and dad, to Jesus, understand your kids are probably going to be less devoted. What, what does that look like for your less devoted next generation? Really, really important. And so mission, we're serving together. We're serving together as a husband and wife, as a, as a team. And it's powerful what we can really do together. And I think when thinking about, well, what is our mission? I think you need to think about two things that unite as couples. One is having a common enemy, and the other one is having a common mission. And so the enemy is not my spouse. No, the enemy is not. Recognize you have a common enemy who's steal, kill, and destroy. That's his agenda. Mm-hmm. But you also have a common mission. So ask yourself, what do you both love? What do you both love? And what do you both hate? You know, maybe you love kids. And you hate the fact that some kids don't have families. Well, maybe your mission is to become foster parents. I know we have families in our congregation that are foster parents. A lot of them. A lot of them. And mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a mission. That's a noble mission. Maybe you love being financially free. You know what the chokehold of debt can do to somebody or to a family. And you hate debt. And so maybe your mission is leading a financial peace class or helping couples get out of debt. And that's what you do as a couple. That is your passion in life. And we're, we're going to have a way of that as we talk about groups and the importance of groups in the fall. And maybe you love marriage and you hate divorce. And maybe you've gone through some own things in your marriage, whether it be betrayal, adultery, whatever. And through God's grace, you work through that. Well, now you have a passion and a mission to help other couples who are struggling. Maybe you want to be a marriage mentor. I mean, these are all things, finding out what you love and what you hate. Maybe you love cooking and making meals and you hate the fact that people are lonely out there. And so like we talked about before, that you open your home and that you're hospitable and you invite people people in. 
You know, I think, I can't help but think about uh, Krista and Christian Jones ah, of Sparrow's Nest. Example. You know, yep. here Krista Jones started Sparrow's Nest, a charity that feeds f uh, people with cancer and their families. And for her, she loved her friends. She lost several friends in a year's time. She loved her friends. She loves people. And she hated what cancer was doing to these families and just the isolation and just the challenges it brings. And she started an entire charity. Yeah. I think it's important to realize, you know, Christian, her husband, I don't think he eats, breathes, and sleeps, you know, her her same mission, but he loves her. He's bought in. He's right there. I mean, he's at every fundraiser. He's running. He's gonna. So it's like a, it's a team thing. So maybe one person has more of the drive for it, but as couples that you're united and you do it together, it's so important. And of course, I can't help but think about raising kids. Absolutely. Not just kids, yep. but raising children who love and want to serve God. And I think for us, we're going on year 25. This has been a huge mission of yeah. our marriage is raising our daughters to love Jesus. Um, and it it's hard, you know, but mm -hmm. the truth of it is, you know, I, I joke about our youngest daughter, Sophia, she loves a lot of slang. She comes home with all the slang. I'm thinking, I need a glossary to even understand half the stuff that she says or whatever. But I really, she, she speaks the language of that generation. Right. I don't speak that language. You might speak it a little better, but I, I don't speak that language Not at all. Not that much better. But she does, but they do. And so we're raising up children to go into a generation and make a difference. And each one of you, you have children in your home that God wants you to grab a hold of that mission of being a parent and, a ch and form those hearts and make them be those little agents of change out into their generation. Absolutely. And I, I you know, parenting is, uh, parenting's hard. Marriage, having a great marriage is even harder. Uh, but it's amazing how, get this right, yeah. how it has an impact on the kids. Um, and, and it's not always the case. I mean, our girls were surprised when they went off to college, Liberty University, the worst kids on campus are the pastor's kids, grew up in pastor's homes. Because again, most pastors can't do what we're doing, and it's not because we're perfect, it's just we prioritized it uh, for 29 years, each other, uh, after Jesus is our spouse, our number two, and then our kids, number three. And our kids aren't perfect, they, they've had their struggles and all that, but, but I am just so humbled that, that all three of our, our girls love Jesus Christ with all their hearts and serve him. And they're, they're in their 20s now. It's, they're, on, you know, they're making those decisions for themselves. And, and it's not just a private thing any, either. They're impacting mm -hmm. big influential groups all around them because of their passion for Jesus Christ. And so if I can't make a disciple in my own home, how am I ever going to make a disciple in the church? That's, that's, that's how serious it is. And that's what the Bible says again in Timothy. Mm -hmm. The qualifies me as to lead the church is this and my kids. And if that's out of whack, I can never help you parent your children if my children are hellions and hellraisers. It's impossible. All I can give you is a book and theory. And, and so uh, that, that is the fruit of the right alignment, the right prioritizing, being mission-driven, mm -hmm. And so that's why I said, this is a warning, this message. It doesn't happen overnight. This is a tough one. But, but you can start as, as husband and wife, realigning what's our focus, what's our mission, and start getting that right. And then it's amazing how everything starts to come really into order as a result of that. Because here's the thing. Unity doesn't mean you're the same. Unity means you're together. Unity doesn't mean you're the same. I thank God. I look at you and I'm like, I am not so thankful same. we are not the same. It's the differences that I love. 
Unity does not mean the same. Unity means you're together. You're together. You're, you're walking together. You've got the vision, you've got the mission, and you're walking together. You know, Susie has a real uh, burden, if you want to call it that way. We use that word sometimes in church for fighting human trafficking. Uh, and, and as noble as that is and all, it's not like this, this passion burning inside of me. But I get behind her and I support her yeah. because of that burden. What's really cool is to see one of our girls, again, Sophie, pick up that burden as well. And so it's, it's even gone into the next generation. Because here's the thing. It doesn't mean the same. We don't, we don't see it totally the same, but we're together. And, and so it's important to her, and I care about her. And so you know what? I'm going to be there, and I'm going to support her in that and encourage her in every way that I possibly can. So, so as a married couple on mission together, don't just have the same address. Don't just have a sex life together. Don't just love the same sports team and plan vacations together. Don't, don't settle for so much lower Instagram relationship goals. God's got so much higher. Big part of that is being mission-driven together. Christ-centered, covenant-keeping, mission-driven, and as we'll look at next week, devil-kicking. I think, you know, we have to ask ourselves, is our marriage driven by problems, or is our marriage driven by his purpose? Now, is our marriage focused on what we want, or are we focused on what God values and what God wants? Are we pursuing our own desires? Are we pursuing his destiny on this earth and us playing a part in that? And so let me end by asking this question. If you're single, why, why are you going to get married? Why? What's the why? This next verse, the last verse I want to just share with you. I think this is a mission-driven verse. In fact, I'd encourage you to let it be a mission-driven memory verse. L listen to this mission-driven Psalm 34, verse 3. Come, let us, let us, not me, come let us, tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name. Let's worship him together. Together. It's not me, myself, and I on mission together, accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish, putting a smile on Jesus' face as we fulfill the mission that he gave to us. And God gave you a mission too. And so the end is up to you. You may not have started on the right track. You can't necessarily change yesterday, but you can change today and you can change the future by being mission-driven as a single or mission-driven as a married couple. So I'm going to ask Susie, would you pray sure. right now and just close us? And I just love you praying, so I'm going to let you close us in prayer, okay? All right. Father God, I thank you that you have not called us, Lord, to, into this world to live for ourselves, but God, that you've called each and every one of us to mm -hmm. live on mission 
to make a difference in this world for you. And so, Father, whether as individuals or as couples, as one, may we live out our lives for us to hear one day those words come from your mouth. Well done, good and faithful servants. Father, it's our heart's cry, Father. Lord, I just pray that you give grace to those who maybe hadn't even thought about this before. Lord, I just pray that you just allow that understanding and the words from your holy scriptures, Lord, just reframe our understanding. And Lord, give us grace and give us passion for the things, God, that you have equipped and the things that you've put in our hearts and the burdens that you've given us. And out of that, may we be united to make a difference in this world. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.